good morning. Let's begin. All right, Psalm 69. I love this section because it says, um, he says, for the music director, according to the tune of Lilies, according to the lilies that, uh, that were, is written about in Psalms 45 by David. If you want to, you don't have to, but if you'd stand up, this would be fantastic. Uh, deliver me, O oh God, from the water that has reached my neck. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I sank into a deep mire where there was no solid ground. I'm in some deep water. This is Psalm 69. I'm in some deep water and the current is overpowering me. I've become exhausted from shouting for help and my throat has even become sore. My eyes grow tired of looking for my God. Those who hate me without cause are more numerous than the hairs of my head. Those who want to destroy me, my enemies, for no reason outnumber me. They make me repay what I did not steal. Oh God, you're aware of my foolish sins. My guilt is not hidden from you. Let none who relies on you be disgraced because of me, O sovereign Lord and King. Let none that seek you be ashamed because of me, O God of Israel. I suffer humiliation for your sake. I've been thoroughly disgraced. My own brothers treat me like a stranger. They act as if I was a foreigner. <laughs> but certainly zeal for your house has consumed me. So I endure the insults of those who insult you. I weep and refrain from eating food, which causes others to insult me. I wear sackcloth and I'm ridiculed because of it. Those who sit at the city gates gossip about me and drunkards even mock me in their songs. Oh Lord, may you hear my prayer and be favorable to not be disposed and be favorably disposed to me. Oh God, because of your great loyal love, answer me with a faithful deliverance. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me and from the deep water. Don't let the current overpower me and don't let the deep shallow swallow me up. Don't let the pit devour me. Answer me, O oh Lord, for your loyal love is good. Because of your great compassion, turn toward, turn toward us, Lord. Do not ignore your servant, for I am in trouble. Answer me right away. Come near me and redeem me. Because of my enemies, rescue me. You know, I, you know I've been insulted. 
have been humiliated and disgraced. You can see all my enemies. Their insults are painful and they've made me lose heart. I look for sympathy, but I receive none. For comforters, but I don't find one. They put bitter poison into my food to quench my thirst. They give me vinegar to drink. May their dining table become a trap before them. May it be a snare for the group of their friends. May their eyes be blinded. May they shake violently. Pour out your judgment on them. May your raging anger overtake them. May their camp become desolate, their tents uninhabited. For they harass the one whom you discipline. They spread the news about the suffering of those whom you punish. Hold them accountable for their sins. Do not vindicate them. May their names be deleted from the scroll of the living and do not let their names be listed with the godly. It says, let their names be blotted out of the book of life. I'm oppressed and suffering, oh God, deliver and protect me. I love this, what he says. I will sing praises to the Lord. I'm gonna praise you with my whole heart this morning. Aren't, aren't we? I will magnify you and I will give you things. That will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hooves. The oppressed looked on, let them rejoice. You who seek God, I pray this morning that you would be so encouraged in the Lord. For the Lord listens to the needy. He does not despise his captive people. Let the heavens and the earth praise him along with the seas and everything that swims in them. For God will deliver Zion and he will rebuild the cities of Judah and his people will again live in them and possess Zion. The descendants of the servants will inherit it and those who are loyal to him will live in it. Amen.
We gaze beyond and hope expectantly. You are faithful to complete this work you began to bring us back to rest in you again. sorrows seem to last an endless night and over the horizon the darkest clouds are breaking Son of Righteousness with heat. 
Righteousness is right. 
can't see in the valley and I can't breathe on the mountain. Come, Son of Righteousness, healing in His wings. Son of Righteousness, is Zechariah passage that we've been in, Zechariah 1, 12, which I brought out last week, the angel of the Lord then asked, Lord, who rules over all? How long? You hear Stephen singing that, how long before you have compassion on Jerusalem and the other cities of Judah, which you have been so angry with for this 70 years? How long? He took me to Psalms chapter 13. Psalms 13, the psalmist says, how long, Lord? How long will you continue to ignore me? And how long will you pay no attention to me? How long must I worry? How much should I have to suffer in the broad daylight? How long will my enemy gloat over me and look at me? Look at me. Look at me, Lord. Look at me, look down on me. Look at me now. Do you see me now? How do you see me now, Lord? Oh. Look at me and answer me, Lord. Oh, Lord, my God. Revive me. Revive us, O Lord. Revive us, O Lord. I declare to you from the Sovereign One, the greatest renewal and waking of the Lord is coming upon this land. I declare it. I don't care what our circumstances tell us. I declare to you that our enemy, no matter what angle he tries to pursue against us, the Lord is majestic in the heavens and he sits in the heavens and he laughs even now at the enemy and his plight against his people. And I declare to you that the enemy has already been defeated and he had tried to tell us another story that's not true. And my foe and your foe will not rejoice against us because we've been upended. Because I declare just like the psalmist did in Psalms 13, that I will trust in your steadfast love, in your chesed. I trust in your faithfulness. 
I trust in your goodness. Oh, I trust in you, Father. And I know you're good. And I know your mercies endure forevermore. Oh, I know it. I know it because I've been known by you, Father. And I know you're good. And I know it. I know it. I know it. My assurity doesn't come from what I see or what I feel. My assurity comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I will worship you and I will praise you with a whole heart. Praise the Lord. All you saints, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord again, I say. Just like Paul said, rejoice again, I say rejoice. Oh, we have the victory because the Lord's already secured it. It's done. It's completed in Him. Oh, the high praises of the Lord. Oh, we were created for you, Father. We're created by you. All things exist because of you, Lord. Oh, magnify you, Lord. Exalt your holy name while you're righteous and true, you're everlasting. Great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Oh, oh I love you, Lord. Oh, I'm so grateful to you, Lord. I'm so grateful to you, Lord. What you've done for us, Lord. Oh, we magnify your name, Jesus. From my whole heart, I praise you. With my whole being, I give myself to you. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh come magnify the Lord with me, all ye saints. Magnify the Lord who's worthy to be praised and glorify Him. trust in your steadfast love I shouldn't say this enough but I trust in your steadfast love I trust in your hased when everything else fails me the judgments of myself the judgment of others I trust in a love that overtakes me to know me and we've come to be known by him he knows you now
Israel, 70 years of exile. Kohider, 70 weeks. Israel, 20 years building the temple. Kohider, 20 weeks. The temple dedicated. X to him, 90. Kohider, 20 weeks of the seed of Christ being delivered to us so that God could put a seed inside of a temple and he would have a womb and he would have a seed. And he said to me this morning when he woke me up, you think this is a small thing to me? It's everything to me. You think it's a small thing to gather the tribes of Jacob? You think it's a small thing for me to gather the outcast of Israel? The remnant of Israel? You think it's a small thing to me? Oh, it might appear small, but it is magnified in my heart, the Lord says to me. Oh, it might appear small to men. He said to me, he said, don't you dare despise the day of small things. I will build a nation, it says in Isaiah, out of the smallest group. Out of just a few, I'll bring forth a thousand. Out of the smallest little thing that no one would pay attention to, I'll birth a nation. Don't you despise the day of small things, Zechariah? But with shouts of grace, grace, bring forth the capstone. Shouts. The shout of grace. Because it's not, it's not something we could do. It's something only he could do to him be the glory. You see the difference? And when you've done all you can do, you stand. Stand your ground. <laughs> oh, and I love this. That God could instill in us such his nature and courage. He put it inside of us so much in such a deep place. And nothing could shake us. Horror could teeter off its axis and we'd be floating in the air. <laughs> oh, man. I wouldn't trade this for Nothing. I wouldn't trade these moments for anything. When I could give praise to you, Lord. <laughs> when I can magnify your name in the assembly of the saints. Yeah. Whew. to a rock that's higher than I like you did last week Lord when we came up to the sapphire throne jerked up into the heavens where you're seated at the right hand of the Father oh take us up take us up into the court into the your so the Lord where you sit
Jericho in a war of grace We won't back down or won't be dismayed His word is true, hide it in your hearts And the city's ours, let's start to march Jericho in a war of grace We won't back down or won't be dismayed His word is true, hide it in your hearts And the city's ours, let's start to march Seven times around Sometimes we're lost and sometimes we're found Open your mouth and shout Watch the walls come down Open your mouth and shout Until what's in you comes out The mocking of the enemy With our own attempts and our own strategy So pick up your horn and let the voices ring Lift up a song of praise to the King Seven times around Sometimes we're lost Sometimes we're found oh. Open your mouth and shout Until the walls come down Open your mouths and shout Until what's in you comes out Open your mouth afraid of the dreams we've had but the ark is moving with intent let's start marching we're on a mission seven times around sometimes we're lost sometimes we're found oh, hoping Come out.
Psalms 3. Lord, how numerous are my enemies, and many attack me. Many say about me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield that protects me. You are my glory, and you're the one who restores me. To the Lord I cried out, and he answered me from his holy hill, the holy hill of Zion. And then I rested and I slept. And then I awoke, for the Lord protects me. I am not afraid of the multitude of people who attack me from every direction. Rise up, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Yes, you will strike all my enemies on the jaw, and you will break the teeth of the wicked. Break all their teeth. Break all of them. Psalms 91, as for you, the one who lives in the shelter of the sovereign one and resides under the protective shadow of the mighty king. I say this about the Lord, my shelter and my stronghold, my God in whom I trust. He will surely rescue you from the snare of the fowler and from all destructive plagues. He will shelter you with his wings and you will find safety under his wings his faithfulness is a shield and a protective wall. You need not fear the terrors of the night, the arrow that flies by the day, the plague that comes in the darkness or the disease that comes at noon. Though a thousand may fall beside you and 10,000 at your right hand, it will not reach you. Certainly, you will see with your very own eyes. You will see the wicked paid back. For you have taken refuge in the Lord, my shelter, the sovereign one. No harm will overtake you. No illness will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you in all that you do. They will lift up in their hands so you will not slip and you will not fall on a stone. You will subdue a lion and a snake, and you will trample underfoot a young lion and a serpent. The Lord says, because he is devoted to me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he is loyal to me. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him when he is in trouble. I will rescue him and bring him honor. I will satisfy him with long life and I will let him see my salvation. Let your word be true and every man be a liar. For the word of the Lord is true. For the word of the Lord endures forever. For the word of the Lord is a safety and a strong tower for the word of the Lord. Oh, it's great. 
And I suffered you to hunger in the wilderness so that you would know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the Lord. By every word that proceedeth from the Lord. Amen. Okay. All right. Let's, um, let's jump into Zechariah 1. That's where we're at, and, and we will be moving through the text today into uh, verse 17, uh, finishing up the first vision. I tell you, in all my years, I've never had in a worship set that many words from the Lord on your enemy is attacking you. <laughs> I was like, what? You said, you know, he's like, go to Psalms 3, go to Psalms 91, start out with Psalm 69. I was like, really, our enemy's attacking us? I, I didn't know. And <laughs> I, I was, I'm always surprised by the Lord because I don't really know the reference point a lot of times unless the Lord says, this is your reference point, you're under you and your people are under an enemy assault, you know, and, and so you're in the middle of it. And, and so, oh, okay, that's what's going on. Because a lot of times, I'm sure that you realize this in your life with the Lord, but you have to have his narrative because we, a lot of us are adjusted to a narrative that really we create or we make. And, you know, we might have our own meta-narrative or micro-narrative, and we say, hey, this is the narrative. I know what's going on. I'll tell you. The micro-narrative or the macro-narrative is this. Let me tell you what it is. And then out in, in the midst of our narrative or what we think is going on around us, another narrative is presented, and the narrative is, oh, that's not your narrative. You're saying this, and obviously, I don't want to say, you know, bring up Psalm 69 personally and uh, Psalms 3 um, I don't want to bring up some of, some of those psalms because I'm like, oh, the narrative is. The enemy's trying to uh, assault, you know, our people. And he's working every angle he can. That's what I'm getting, you know, this morning. I'm like, oh, that's the narrative. And whether I want to say, oh, no, it's happy, it's happy-go-lucky. You know, we're having a good time. Um, the narrative is you're under attack. 
And you need to like understand the nature of it. You need to understand why you're under attack. And I pray this morning I can be able to demonstrate why because I do have uh, and have been prepared by the Lord for this message today to give to you, to, to serve you and to bless you. I pray that it will. So let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we thank you for that you're the author of narrative. You're the author of our meta-narrative. You're the author of the Tevin narrative. The narrative that is designed by you that you've brought us into such a time as this for this experience that we're together in that we'll never forget more than likely that you've ordained. You ordained, you've ordained this morning, Lord, our Father. You've ordained questioning. You've ordained an attack, a thought process. You've ordained it yourself. You've ordained, apparently, to check our praise, to check our loyalty, to check that at the bottom of what is really going on in us is loyalty to your royalty, and that we are completely dedicated and uh, call you king, and we worship you, and we give you all the allegiance and all the honor that you are due, that we say that you're the God that's faithful, filled with steadfast love and mercy, and we won't take another position. We'll proclaim who you are, and we'll not let the narrative of our life define us. We'll let your narrative define us. And hey, if this is what enemy attack looks like, well, I guess he's not very good at what he's doing because he's a loser. And you've already claimed that. You've already proclaimed that at the cross. And so we're grateful for you, Lord. I pray that you'd help me in this message that would be meaningful to your people and they would grow and I thank you Lord that what you said to me this morning you have breached the citadel and whatever that means father that the citadel has been breached I proclaim I say it out loud that the citadel has been breached and that Zion is be established in this nation Zion within Jerusalem is being established as it is right now and we will see heaven come to earth yeah Amen. Sorry, I got a little excited there or hurt your ears. Listen uh, to Zechariah 1. I do a recap starting on the uh, verse uh, 7, the introduction to the visions. On the 24th day of the 11th month, uh, Shabbat, in Darius' second year, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechai, I think, uh, son of Ido, as follows. I was attentive that night, and I saw a man seated on a red horse that stood among some myrtle trees in the ravine. Behind him were red, sorrel, and white horses. Now, just to stop for a minute, because I haven't done this in what we've been going through, but according to a lot of textual looking at this passage and uh, scholarship, they say that this is the, an incarnate picture or incarnation of the Lord, or pre-incarnate, excuse me, of Jesus himself coming out on a red horse in the middle of the myrtle trees. Also, I found out symbolically what is being represented in the midst of the myrtles was a picture of Sukkot. Meredith Klein believes that the myrtles represent best the, uh, the building of the Sukkot structure or the sukkah, excuse me, the sukkah in, within the Sukkot or tabernacling uh, motif. And so Jesus is coming on the line here in the picture of on a red horse and the middle of a tabernacle view. And that the deep is there that you see or the deep ravine is a picture 
of the pressure that has been on the nations and the nations that are against Israel and against God's people. And there's this deep sort of like atmosphere or a thing that's coming against the planning in of God's house. And so that's, that's just a, a quick, and there's so much to be viewed on that, but just so that you kind of get a picture of the rider on the red horse, this vision of this man's coming into the midst of them the Lord on a horse in the middle of tabernacles or Sukkot, in the middle of uh, setting up Sukkah in the context of a hostile nations that are all around them, the deep. And that's just fast on that. And you can review that more if you like. And one thing he's been saying to me since we've been here, he said, this is not Passover and this is not Pentecost. This is tabernacles. Uh, because, and you heard me describe this, I think also if you were able a few weeks ago to watch um, Terry Bennett and Paul Keith Davis on their, when they get on the screen and they start to talk about the Lord raising up a vessel in this end times, and, and I, I would encourage you to go in and listen to that, but it's interesting because both men are in different locations with black shirts on with a little red horse on their sure. and I, I don't know if you saw that video, but I'm sitting there, the week before I had been prepping for this seven-week event, today being the seventh uh, event that we've had here at uh, Seventh-day Adventist, that uh, I was asking the Lord, I was like, what's this red horse guy about? Because it's like I'd never read the book of Zechariah or, or really delved into it, even though I've done an exhaustive study in the book of Zechariah, but it was just like a whole new picture with the idea that God is wanting to come in now and tabernacle inside of his people and put your skin suit on, like fully, and place his full Christology into us in this end time and into your anthropology or your human form. That's what he's after. And so this presentation of Zechariah is coming out saying, hey, you've seen the demonstration of Passover and the cross, and now you've seen Pentecost. Uh, many of us in the church feel baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, with very indifferent gifts that we've all been given by the Lord. But in this season, I'm bringing you into tabernacles. I want to like put my, I want to put my whole divinity into your humanity. And this is the picture that's happening in Zechariah right here. This is the guy, the rider on the red horse is going to proclaim this or come out on this. And this is the picture that uh, needs to be seen. And so when I saw Paul Keith Davis and Terry Bennett the next week, and I'm asking, who is this rider on the red horse thing? And they both got red horses on their shirt in black. I, I said, man, that's interesting. The black being like the deep, the red horse sort of just a polo red horse on their shirt. And, was, and then again, Bennett saying, and it was such a confirmation to me, the Lord's looking for a vessel. And he's looking for a people that he can come in and, and, and be in, integrated fully with. And so that's the setup here on Zechariah. And that setup is literally, was happening prophetically then, but is to occur here at the end of the age. Um, I encourage you, if you haven't listened to X2M 111 through all the way 116, that you would, because there's so much that would be missed that I can't even say today, 45 more minutes of your time, and I'm gonna try to express something of such magnitude. I was like, Lord, how do you do that? Well, just be with me in my mouth this morning. So then he said, then he asked one nearby, verse nine, what are these, sir? And the angelic messenger replied, 
I will show you what these are. Then the man standing among the myrtle trees spoke up and said, these are the one whom the Lord has sent to walk about on the earth. The riders then agreed with the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees. Uh, we have been walking about on the earth and now everything is at rest and quiet. The angel of the Lord then asked, Lord who rules over all, how long? I'm sure you heard Stephen say that. I've, I came out with Psalms 13 this morning because this is the cry that's in the hour of, of the church. I guarantee you, those who are faithful to him right now are waiting for a demonstration. And I believe I can prove or show this this morning. We're waiting to see the Lord demonstrate himself in our midst as he raises up um, Amos 9, the tabernacle of David, that he raises up his end time move. And so many of us, and not just here, but on a global scale, have been saying how long, uh, especially those who have been through 70 weeks or even some 70 years, but 70 weeks of exile. That's no small thing to go through. And then we, we gave our whole self to the construction of the temple internally. And then, but how long, Lord, is this going to last? I've been through so much. You know, anybody else feel like that? Do you feel like you're not even the same person that you used to be? <laughs> like, th th who was that person? It's like a part of your own internal framing that's been with you has been being pulled out of you and it was left, like little pieces of it or something that had been left and scattered outside of your own body and you're like in this new sense of weakness and dependency and I don't know what to do and I don't know, actually, I'm trying to find my moorings and I don't know what my identity is. I know it's in Christ, but I mean, I'm sort of like, Oh, you know, does that express anything of maybe how you might feel? Like the feeling that you have like sort of high and dry and like I'm waiting on something, but I don't know what it is, but I'm just, I'm trying to just go through. I'm passing through, but I'm not, I, I don't know what I'm looking for. I can't really get my eyes on it. I know it's you, Lord, but I just, something seems to be like, it's got, I don't, what is it? There's something there, I don't, and it's like, it's almost like you're just like, you know the light's there and you're being drawn to the light, you're being drawn by him, but it's like, almost like this too. And I, years ago I had this picture, it was like this. You know, I don't try to do it, maybe I could float right now, that would be amazing. But I mean, it's like, you're being pulled up like this and your arms are back and you're like, ah, 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 right? This experience of being drawn by the Father into himself. This is like the picture and there's a, I don't know, I don't, oh, yeah. no, please, I, I don't know, this hurts. And they said this and that happened, I don't know, but I, can't, I don't have anywhere else to go. What else am I gonna do? I'm in the middle of this conflict and this problem and this thing presenting this situation and I don't know, oh. You're being pulled along and you know that it's not you anymore. You know that you've come to a place of where he's began to take over. Did any of y'all do that where you try to defy the word of the Lord and tell your body to do things and it wouldn't do it anymore? I did. <laughs> do this, you know, make this happen. No. My own hand is like, you know, my own hand won't do what I tell it to. <laughs> I'm trying to tell it to do, years ago, I remember trying to tell it to do something else and it would only obey the Lord. <laughs> it's like, the brain was still locked out, like, no, I'm gonna do whatever he wants and I don't care what it looks like and I'm just gonna follow him. And it's this sort of thing that 
with the word, it's beginning to take over our bodies. It's very uncomfortable. But we've asked for it. And it's pulling us through to something. And so that's the cry that's going on here in the text. How long? Because I'm sure that you've experienced loss. I'm sure that you've experienced a lot of loss. I bet you've lost friends. I bet you've lost property, maybe. You may have lost land. Um, The only path you've found is generosity. Nothing else seems to work. And you're just being pulled along. And you're saying, how long? At least I don't know. I am. And that's what they were saying here. How long? How long, Lord? How long before you have compassion on Jerusalem? And the other cities of Judah, which you have been so angry with these 70 years. The Lord then addressed good and comforting words to the angelic messenger who was speaking to me. And turning to me, the messenger then said, cry out. Cry out that the Lord who rules over all says, I am very much moved for Jerusalem and for Zion. Verse 15, but I am greatly displeased with the nations that take my grace for granted. I was a little displeased with them, but they have only made things worse for themselves. This last week, well, it was the week before last, the Lord begins to open my eyes up and he says, I want you to see that your X2M numbers 114, 115, 116, and 117 are going to match with this. And I I began to bring this out last week, but I want you to see that they're going to match with Zechariah 114, 115, 116, and 117. And, And so after this, will you have compassion? Are you going to deal with us after these 70 years, in our case, 70 weeks? He says, he turns to me and he says, cry out for the word who rules over all, I'm very much moved. But the, the word there is I'm jealous. I'm jealous for, I'm jealous for Jerusalem. I'm, I'm jealous for Zion. And so I'll try to just give you a little geography on this. Jerusalem is a larger complex within, you know, it encompasses like a whole city. And then Zion was the place where David built his palace. And, and so when you're looking at Zion and you're looking at Jerusalem, you're looking at Jerusalem in a more uh, feminine or maternal sense, but you're looking at Zion in a masculine sense. And so what had happened, even in David's day, they had come in and they had, in 2 Samuel 5, they'll come in and breach the city of Jerusalem and they'll go in and take out a Jebusite stronghold. Y- y'all know that story. And then after that, they'll, they'll come in, they'll form of what I believe is, and we're gonna put this up, if you could put up that slide, they'll form what's called a, a Davidic monarchy. They form a monarchy within the, uh, within the nation. And then, of course, uh, David goes and builds him a house in Zion, and the, the people begin to prosper and are blessed, and this whole reign and government of God comes online. And, and so what you see there is that There had to be a going through to come into Jerusalem to bring forth uh, Zion. And the Lord, you know, he's speaking to me, and and I'm not sure if I I brought this out last week, but I'm going to bring it out today because what is deeply going on here in in this text is, is the issue of covenant. 
what the Lord is jealous for and becoming angry with is the relationship involving covenant. See if I can demonstrate this to you. Yes, I did not go through this last week, I don't believe. So let's look at 1 Corinthians eleven twelve. 12. You know, before, when they're, they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant in, right, they're bringing it in, it was brought in on an ox car, and then later on, you know, it's gonna be brought in on the back of the priest like was displayed in the law for them to do. And remember, every six paces, David dancing with all his might to bring the covenant in because what it is is to set up any kind of reign of God or any kind of monarchy or anything like that. It's all related to covenant. I, I don't know if you've, and I'm not suggesting that you do this, but I don't know if you've had the opportunity to watch the Crown series. But we don't watch the Crown series or watch what's happening over there with the you know, British monarchy because we're interested in their prophetic speaking. It's not normally their speeches that are typewritten by someone else that makes us so interested in their life. What we're interested in is the way that they relate familiarly with one another. You know, and it's like, well, why did, uh, you know, why did uh, Charles do that to Diana and then she died? I mean, did, was he a part of that? And, and his mama wasn't, didn't really like him that much. He, she was all like performance driven and wasn't relational. And you know what I mean? And why was, Philip had to adjust to this thing, send his son to a school he didn't want to go to. And, and then look at the fruit of, I don't know if you're watching this on Netflix, Kara and I have been, Harry and Meghan's whole thing. And how that's just further devolved into a problem and you're not seeing wisdom justified by our children, but you're seeing a breakdown in a family. And we're not watching them because we like to hear them speak and stuff. We're watching them because we're like, what happens inside of a royal family? And how should this be? And how should family look? And how should the structure of family and covenant be? Because at the base of everything that is going on here, and you can say, oh, Carol, you got this big picture, but the Lord's like, no, you're gonna dial it down to the family. You're gonna dial it down to husband and wife and the way we relate to each other in the church, and you're gonna bring it there. You're gonna bring it there into the relationships because that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the family. And I'm interested in gathering my family together. And I'm gonna have an expression that's coming forward. I asked him years ago, I said, what is the expression of our ministry when it really lands itself rightly? He said, watch Downton Abbey. And you'll see, I'm gonna set up a family structure. I'm gonna set up a whole construct of family around families. And I'm going to increase the family. I'm going to bless the family. I'm going to bless covenant. I'm gonna bring... Um, I'm going to bring the outcast in. I'm going to bring the widow in. I'm going to bring the single ones in to a family. I'm going to have a family. That's what my view is. And so back to Corinthians 11:12, it says here, for just as woman, and when you think of this, this is the way he put it to me, because this is what he's jealous for and angry about. 114, Zechariah 115, he's jealous and he's angry. What for? He says, for just as woman, or think of it like this, Jerusalem. In, I believe it's Galatians 4, 26. I could be off on that. Just real fast. You could check me on it. But it says Jerusalem is the mother of us all. So if you want a scriptural text for Jerusalem being feminine, I'll give you one that's in the scripture. It says, just as woman or Jerusalem, you could think of it like just as woman, Jerusalem, temple, feminine, came from man. Zion, the palace or the masculine, so man comes through woman. But all things come from God. 
And uh, if, if you've been married or if you've been in a relationship like this before, there's this role difference in the marriage that we, that we have. A woman comes from man, but man must go through woman. He must uh, cherish her and nourish her and take care of her and uh, sort of in a way uh, condescends. I don't mean condescends in a negative way, but I mean um, ask her if it's okay. I'm in charge. No, I want to ask her if it's okay. I do what I want to. I'm a chief of my own castle, you know, or chief of someone else's castle. But still, you know, do what I want to. No, you're not. No, you're not if you want covenant. No, I'm going to go through her. I'm going to ask her, what do you think about this? What is your preference? What do you prefer? How can, can I ask you some questions, you know, but in that way, Zion is coming into Jerusalem. But now the feminine element is blessed from Zion. So when he, he goes through her, and she comes from him. And so her blessing is directly related to come from him. So, he, so some of us guys, you know, all of us guys, if you're a good guy, you know, you have sort of like a, you're sui generis, you're different. You know, you're, you're, uh, you're, just, you're just an oddball within your own family. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but I like it when the man sticks out, personally, that he's not trying to placate anybody or do anything. He's just, he is who he is in his own family, and he looks like he does, and he acts like he does, and he has this particularity about him. I think every man in every household does. And uh, I, I love it. I love all the differentiation of masculinity, like that guy's really loud, you know. Uh, that guy like slams his plate down. This guy says this thing, and this one does that, and this one does that, and they sort of, in the family structure, they sort of like define the family. The family comes from the leader and the head of his household. He is who he is. He's usually has his own unique characteristics. He's. And our culture today has just tried to just like destroy that guy. They don't want anybody to stand up and be counted and be courageous. So much our culture, no, you gotta be like everybody else. No, you don't. <laughs> Proof of that. <laughs> it's unto the Lord though. It's, it's unto the Lord. It, but, then, but then in another way, uh, Mel, you need to condescend to your wife and you know, say, uh, um, how can I serve you? What, what do you think about it? And not be afraid to do that because you will not have the increase of family without that dynamic. And the Lord says that I'm jealous for that. Jerusalem and Zion, 114. And 115, I'm angry about it. What is, what is he saying there? You've taken my grace for granted. He says, it's, it's not done me any good. It's not done me any good to basically uh, be easy on y'all. I had this happen with my, um, my couple of my guys this week in my household. Fighting in the back of the, I can't get to them because they're in the third row and they know we got to be places. I can't get to the little ones. And I, I have a, a nice leather belt and I use it when I need to, but I didn't bring it with me and I, it hurts your hand and, and they're just like clobbering each other back there. Uh, said this, that was a, bam, I see three hits to the side of the face and the other one. Hey, we have those issues in my house too. 
And I don't want to just act like our house is perfect because it's not. They're clobbering each other. I was like, you guys, I tell you every day, quit doing that. Now stop doing that. And don't call each other names. So I told them, I said, y'all are taking your daddy's grace for granted. And I'm not happy about it. Oh, daddy, please. They made every excuse in the world. I was like, that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear you say to me that what I'm doing is wrong and I'm not going to do it again by the grace of God. No, they kept arguing me and telling me everything, the reason why they should have the right to punch each other and everything. I said, when you get home, you go in my room, I'm getting my belt out, and I'm going to discipline you, I love you. And I told them about this passage in 115. I said, it didn't do the Lord any good not to get angry because when he did, everybody just kept on business as usual. And that's what was happening in my family. And so I adjusted them and held them, told them I loved them. I don't do it again. If you do it again tomorrow, I'm gonna do the same thing tomorrow uh, because I've been letting you go on this and y'all have a policy in your mind. It's okay for you to act whatever way you want. No, it's not, right? Don't take my grace for granted. It made the Lord angry. He's saying that about Jerusalem and Zion. I'm tired of this breakdown in the covenant of family. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it because I'm wanting to bring something online to bless you. And this is what we're gonna get into today. Because the other side of this, and, and you'll see, um, been building this with the Lord uh, as a structure that sits in the, this is the, the structure that sits in Zechariah in the background of the whole book. Uh, the Lord has been gracious to me to give me a structure. Before we got here, and I mentioned this, I said to Stephen, I said, I have no structure to go off of. And uh, I was just like, we're just gonna have to trust the Lord that he'll deliver one because I have no framework. And I'm a framework person because I need something to attach you know, we have a skeleton. It's 20% or so of your body. Dr. Vickery could straighten me out on that. But 80%, let's say 80, you're 80% dynamic and you're 20% static. I don't know. Your bone, your muscular system, your fluids, 80%. Uh, your muscular, or your bone, your whatever it's called, your skeleton, you know, uh, 20%. Proximal, it's just an approximation. It's not exact. Sorry, I, I don't know, but it's, but so you're, you've got a structure in you, but you're more dynamic than you are static, okay? That's why church dynamics, family dynamics don't work very good if you try to overstatic them and you don't have enough dynamic in them. You know, you know what I mean? It just doesn't work, but there is a structure and there it is. It's got all four eschatological positions. It's got actually the standard model of particle physics in it. It's got all the breakdown on Zechariah in it. And it actually all, if you fold this thing up, it'll turn into um, our new, it's our logo for Collider now uh, that Lydia's been helping me with this. And it looks like this. <laughs> the blessing of the Lord that Israel was called upon, the Kohan priests were called upon in number six to give forth the blessing of the Lord. And so that similar, so go back to the other one. And so the Lord's like, lets me know, and, and then also reading with Meredith Klein, that there's a, there's a key that's sitting in the midst of, or what I brought out last week, the inclusio, is sitting right in the midst of the whole book, and it tells you how to base the whole book off of it, and that is what is this crown picture that I have at the top here. The key to the whole book is unlocked by these four sections. And, if, and they're in depth and there's so much to them, but it's all related to covenant. 
And so in 114, remember up here on the left-hand side, you have, he's jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. He's jealous for our families, jealous for covenant. He wants an expression that looks like what he wants it to look like. And maybe many of us don't know what it looks like, but he's in this thing where he's gonna get it the way he wants it if you come on with him. He wants a covenantal view of what it looks like. He wants it to be like the way he pictures it. What was lost in that garden? He's jealous for it with a jealousy I want it, and he's angry about it, so much so that he's confrontational. <laughs> and you know, because he's confronting us. And I think this is why so many people shy away from these kind of events, that you're being tested, you're being tried, and it is, it's testing your ideas and concepts. It's like, I didn't know he thought this way. I didn't know marriage or family was supposed to look like this. I didn't know, I don't even know how to relate. We've had such and so many bad examples. Maybe we don't even know what the father thinks about it. And we've looked at the text, but he's wanting to put this in us. He's wanting to restore the family. He wants a base of the way he sees it is the way he wants it because he wants to restore, I believe, again, a Davidic monarchy. He wants this in the nations. He wants family restored. Uh, you've probably felt it in here because I believe he brought us into this environment. And, uh, you know, Queen Anne said it this morning that it, feel, it could feel like we're being scattered a little bit in here. That's a fine, actually, view of it because you have been. You've been going through a sense of scattering in yourself. If you've been in these events, you've been feeling it. You've been experiencing a sort of, uh, uh, it's, meant, it's been meant to be that way. The Lord told me, if you'll trust me on this, I'll bring the greatest unity you've ever seen. I'll bring a unity in the family because I'm going to take some things out that are particularly wrong in your soul. I'm gonna take them out, I'm gonna get rid of some things and I'm gonna give you my, myself. And it's going to feel awkward and uneasy in these events. And if it hasn't been, for some of you, maybe it hasn't been. I think for most of you that have talked to me, <laughs> the kavod of the glory of God coming down on you and your houses and your situations and exposing all kinds of stuff. And the very thing you could do, I mean, you could easily do this. Please don't. Don't point a finger at me because, I, you know, because I'm going through my own. <laughs> Ooh, I've never had to repent so much as I have in the last several weeks. Not like repent because I got caught, but true mourning, brokenness of depths of my own soul that is needed to be dealt with. Okay, get angry, Lord. Do your thing. And he's like, oh, I am. Y'all gave me permission. <laughs> So I'm gonna come after you. You want my glory, don't you? Yes, yes, Lord. Well, uh, apparently it wasn't feeling that good. I didn't know it was gonna hurt this bad. Over here on this side, Zachariah's having night visions, but over here, they're called the glory burdens. <laughs> Bearing the glory is way harder. Ask Stephen what he's been going through. Bearing glory out of vision is way more difficult than we thought it was. I thought, man, the glory, man, when the glory comes, they're all about la, 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 la. No. No, when holiness comes down on you and everything is being reviewed and is under examination because the more you ascend into the heavens, without holiness, you will what? 
not see God. Transfiguration requires the face of the Lord to be installed inside of you. It requires us God seeing himself out of your eyes or seeing out of your eyes. Do you understand? Then you're gonna feel scattered because when God begins to come in and take over everything that's not like him, you know what it has to do? It has to go because it's not like him and he don't want it around anymore because he's jealous and angry for Zion and Jerusalem to be union with one another. He wants this union with us worse than we wanted it with him. I don't wanna do this. I don't know how many times I've been like, I can't take any more, man. I can't take any more. Get up the next day. I can't take any more. I can't take any more. You know, you place your trust in that? Uh, yeah, I guess I did. You place your trust in that? Oh, you feel bad about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. You look at me, you know, while we're being scattered, while we're being boom. You know, I, I was like, Lord, I'm gonna lose the whole entire thing here if I keep this up this way. You're just gonna fall apart. You're not gonna be able to take it. He said, trust me. I said, yes, sir. You know, I'm military. It's all, whatever you say, let it be done. Because the Lord said to do it, do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Daddy trained, enlisted military trained, officer trained, then 17 years on a mountain, God trained, is saluting to the Lord. It's, we don't, we are loyal to the royal. And he has a plan and it's a good one. But yeah, have we been shaken up? Yes. Are we still gonna be shaken? I hope not. <laughs> but I don't, I don't really know. I, I was really excited when I came over the bridge here to 116 and 117. So I wrote this up. Zion goes through or is inside of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is extended from Zion. Our, our ministry here took Jerusalem, Asheville proper, that's what he's told me for years, 12 years, but it needs Zion, it needs a resting place for a palace to be taken from within it. This is happening right now to extend and rebuild Jerusalem. Zion has to come online and then Jerusalem will be extended. The blessing, and you, you can see this again, this happens, uh, this will happen in the family context, it's, it's gonna happen on, in this case, a national context. And I wrote this, this is why there's been so much resistance. It's a resistance to Zion. It's the rebirth of a national Davidic monarchy. We put Jerusalem, our mother, the feminine first, but now the Zion or masculine is coming online to bless Jerusalem and extend her. Yeah, it probably looks like sometimes that, that that's what's been the case. I felt this way, you know, Abraham, I'm sure felt this way. Anybody that's ever done anything for the Lord, it looks like you're neglecting your family. Sometimes when God calls you, and we've seen this with men that go to war or have to go and fight for their family, but it looks like I'm in neglect of my family. But no, Zion has to come online so I can actually bless you. And if, if I don't get into position, you're never gonna have the blessing that was meant to be on you, Jerusalem. You know, I'm talking to you guys, especially now, your wives and your children and further out to extend beyond just our own households. But I'm wanting to see, the Lord's wanting to see a great extension even beyond our, our personal households, not just your four or eight or no more. 
The Lord's wanting to see a great extension happen. Mark my words, you will see many millions of families restored to the Father because of the stand that we're taking today. Well, you don't look like it right now. Who cares what it looks like? Laugh at calamity. <laughs> you know, Proverbs 31. Laugh at the calamity to come. Whatever. <laughs> this thing is happening. <laughs> and so, so he says in 117, I build a context, getting to today. He says, speak up again with the message of the Lord who rules 17 if you can. Uh, speak up to uh, the message of the Lord who rules over all. My cities will once again overflow with prosperity. And once more, the Lord will comfort Zion, the masculine palace, and he'll validate the choice of Jerusalem, the feminine, the temple. So last week at 16, therefore says the Lord, uh, I have become compassionate towards Jerusalem. I'm gonna rebuild. That text right there in the NET is not correct. That word temple right there in the Hebrew is actually palace or house. It is not temple. It is palace or house. And there's other words for temple. I've looked them up in the Hebrew, but that is not the case. Uh, the New English translation got that one wrong. They get a lot of things right, but it's not correct. It's by yet. It's, it means house. And he said, I'm gonna rebuild my house. And so I, here's what I wanna uh, demonstrate to you. In 116, he's saying this, and I, I want you to hear this because this is the war. I'm angry, I'm jealous and angry, but look, I'm wanting to give hard assets and liquid assets to my people. Okay, the Lord is not just uh, into an internal, just an internal work. Yes, is that primary to him? Yes, it is. But there must be an external display of the Lord. Anybody that tells you anything different than that is lying. And they're trying to placate and do a whole Jerusalem motif, but not a Zion one. There must be an outward demonstration. The word parousia, which uh, I used to characterize, the word told me, uh, X2M 113. It means parousia, it means the second coming. It also means an outward display of his glory. Anything before that, what we were experiencing with the 20 weeks of his Christology and anthropology, all internal, the temple work, the 20, 40 weeks of temple work and the seed work, it was all internal, but now it must be external. That's why we're actually here. That's why we're on screen. That's why we're on video. Because I'm going to externalize this. It's going to show up in your natural, everyday living. And so when we're looking at this, and I don't know if you can see this, but here on this, this A here, and I have one, seven, and eight, and then you fill in uh, where we're at, like 15, or excuse me, 14 through 17, someone in here in the first vision, over here, this, 9, 1 through 17 is matches with uh, chapter 1. And it's like this through the whole thing. There's a correlation uh, between this chapter and that chapter, and it correlates all the way down until it gets into this central passage here, which it says, he will be a priest upon his throne and a king, and the council of peace shall be between them both. This is the Melchizedek order, and I, I've explained it here that in this break here in this D and in this D here, 
You also have an investiture and coronation ceremony going on in both of these. One of them, Joshua the high priest here, here Zechariah himself, because there's a participation, or excuse me, there's a participation here with God's people that the Lord's not just saying this about himself or what's going on with him. He's wanting this both in the high priesthood or the leadership of Israel, but he's also wanting it in his people. So he's not just individual like the leadership of, of his house or his Davidic monarchy. No, he wants it both there and he wants this installed in all of everybody. He wants a corporate expression of priest king of this order. And so that's part of this structure of this uh, when you're looking at this. And so back here, chapter nine, and we're gonna just look at a few things in chapter nine because it's going to match back to chapter one. This is really important that, like, because this is what, we've got a few minutes, and this is what I really wanna land this morning because this is the import of today, X2M 117, uh, Zechariah 117. So I'm gonna show 116 and I'm gonna show it, I'm gonna show how 116 matches with nine and I'm gonna show 117 how it matches with chapter nine, okay? 116 again, therefore says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with compassion. I've returned with hased and mercy. Uh, the Lord had left his house, the Lord's returning to his house. I'm returning with steadfast love and mercy. My house shall be built in it. So he's saying here in 116, I'm gonna have a house built in it. Says the Lord of hosts, and a measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem. So I'm gonna have my house built in Zion, and I'm gonna have a measuring line stretched out over the city. I'm gonna begin to measure it because he's gonna begin to extend and prosper and bless Jerusalem. Now, in the comparison text, when you come over here to chapter nine, nine eight, Zechariah nine eight compares to one sixteen, and, and, and look at this. Then I will encamp about my house, and you see the same picture here, both a house, in, in both pictures one sixteen and one. I will encamp about my house, and as a guard or a garrison, so that no one will march back and forth, and no oppressor, or demanding collector will come over against them anymore, for I myself have seen it. What's he saying? Your houses, I don't know what your condition of your house is in, you will have no demanding collector coming to collect on the place that you live. You will not be in debt. And all these people that say they're gonna come and take our houses or whatever and pill it, no. The Lord said, I'll set a guard over your house. Nobody's gonna touch your house. Nobody's gonna touch your dwelling and this oppression of the enemy and everything's trying to come against you. No, you're a Psalms 91 people. You're a Psalms 3 people. You're a Psalms 13. We have the victory of the Lord. No, no more oppression. That's right-based. Angry, I'm going to come down and get you, hurt your, your families. And no more something undermining your household where it's trying to collect on your household to strip your household down so you're sitting there worried about it every day. No. Nope, it's done with. I'm gonna be a guard. I'm gonna build my own house. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that what? Build it. I'm gonna build my house. I'm gonna build your house. And I'm going to set up a guard. And I'm gonna put a hedge of protection around your households. And you have no one oppress you. You don't have to have your, 
AK-47, whatever. You, they come at me, I'll bag them up or you know, whatever. Nobody's coming for you. They won't be able to touch you or your family, and you will not have someone undermining your currency because they're trying to collect on you. No more debt. I'm gonna fix this thing for good. This is my pattern of family. This is my family. I'm gonna take care of you. So then, 117 for today, cry yet again. He's saying this prophetic voice, say, do it again. Thus says the Lord, my cities are gonna overflow with prosperity. And the Lord shall comfort Zion and shall choose Jerusalem or vindicate or validate his choice of Jerusalem. I'm gonna validate you. Zechariah 9.12 is the correlation with 117. Look at 9.12. Oh, return to the stronghold. That's the only time that word is used in the Hebrew Bible. Stronghold. He says, return. Now, the Lord said in 16, I'm returning. Now he's telling us, you return. Return to the stronghold. This word is bisharon. It means, get this, fortified place or castle. He said, return to the castle. Return. And so now I know what he means. You breached the castle, you breached the citadel this morning. I know what he's saying now. I was like, what are you saying Return, return to the place of safety. Return to the stronghold. And look what he promises us, his people, you prisoners of hope. I, I mean, it does kind of feel that way, doesn't it? Like I've been in prison, I've been in exile, but you still got hope in your heart. Something's still hanging on, saying I don't have anywhere else to go but to you, Lord, right? You know what I mean? Your heart's captive. He's captivated your heart. He says, I declare to you, I will restore to you double your former prosperity. Now, for some of us, we'd say, I didn't have any. <laughs> I, I said that to the Lord. I was like, what are you talking about? What former prosperity? <laughs> I was like, if that's double, it'd be like $2 to my $1. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just, may it say to me, know who you are in the heavens, who I say you are who I declare that you are as a son and a daughter of me that came down out of the heavens. Yeah, you've been going through it, we all been going through it, but we were born of God. We are born from above. And yeah, we've been placed into these uh, bodies with all these kind of problems and sin and everything has been cleaning us up, making us holy so you can restore double prosperity. You know what? In Zechariah 9, and I found this really interesting, but in Zechariah 9, there's, this, there's these nations that are brought up. And, and the Lord said, you know, I want you to pay attention to this. I'm just put some of it out here. The first thing, he's, he's putting his focus on Damascus, uh, verse 1. He's going to talk about, uh, in 2, Tyre and Sidon. You remember these places? Study your text. Look at Tyre. Look at Ezekiel you know, uh, about Tyre. Look at Isaiah about Tyre. Look at its past. Look how it's attributed and how it's used uh, as Lucifer being the king of Tyre. Look, look at it. He goes on with these different places. And one thing he, he said to me this last week, he said, the way I want you to look at like, and I didn't have this drawn by Lydia, but just like a circle of Jerusalem and a smaller little circle of Zion. He said, think of Syria 
as a big circle and Damascus as a smaller circle. I don't know, you guys, you maybe have heard me say this before because the Lord taught me this years ago. He said, the Syrian says in his heart, he's God of the mountains, but he's not God of the valleys. Do you understand? He's, he's not God of my everyday living. He, he's God of the mountain, like I've tasted the jealousy and anger of the Lord, but he's not God of my everyday uh, needs, my, my fixed asset and my, my liquid asset my household and my, my needs and my family. Yes, he is. And some of you have a belief system, you were born into it and you're already living out of this reality. Some of us are not. But he is God, both of the mountain, the big prophetic vision and, and in the everyday life of our, uh, of our families. He's God in it. And he's saying, I've returned to you, now return to me. And yeah, you felt scattered when I come into your midst, because I've been scattering everything that's anti-covenant, yes, and it doesn't feel good, but it's me. I've returned to you, and yes, you're being exposed, and your, your problems are being exposed, but listen to me. I'm returning to you. Don't run now. Run to me. And I'll be good for it. Even in the natural dimension of life, I will take care of you. I am a good father. I mean to set a guard around your families. I mean to prosper and to take care of your families. You know what the difference of this is and that false prosperity gospel message is it's just some kind of like odd thing out, structural thing, you do this, you get that. But this is the father. This is, this is what's happening in our midst. This isn't, I didn't create these messages and come up with this. This is him. This is him saying this is what I want for you. This isn't me. That's, I know it's not me because I don't know how to do this. I didn't know why X2M and numbers and all that. So people say, how does he do that? I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. But I know if he's starting to tell me, hey, 16 and 17 are coming online, he wants us to trust him and believe him. He wants us to get out of the Syrian mindset. Last week he told me in the worst, he said, the Syrians are attacking you. <laughs> Assyria is always attacking, attacked the northern kingdom, took him into captivity. Babylon attacked Judah and took them into captivity. He was attacking them because the mindset is in that mindset. Yeah, we take the big overarching God, but he's not gonna come down into my regular everyday life out of rest. It's, it's what I gotta do to make it happen. I gotta force something into being. No, you don't. No, you don't. Your father loves you. I return to you. I turn your heart towards me. Let's stand together. Turn your heart towards me. I mean, I feel like when you're saying how long and how long does it take, and I understand, hey, my family gets this. I'm not just saying something that I don't have to walk in myself. And he's sort of like, I'm not saying stick your chest out. I might stick mine out. I turn my heart towards you. You returned to me when you didn't have to. You're returning to us. And yeah, yeah, everything's being exposed. And yeah, it doesn't feel good. And I feel scattered. And I feel all over the place. But I'm going to have a family. The next stages of this ministry, I can't say what they are. But I'll tell you one thing. I know what they'll be in one sense. We're a family. And we'll be closer than we've ever been to each other. And you'll be closer to your 
your, your local family, your extended family, and your, our ministry family than we've ever been. And the enemy, he's tried every kind of angle to work every angle against all of us, to turn us against each other, turn ideas, make us think certain things. No. No, it's because he's returning, and now we're turning towards him, and he's promising. Go to the castle. Flee to the stronghold. Last week, we made it up to the Sapphire Throne. I was there with the Lord. And I had this Evernote file I've had for four years, and it says, Sapphire Throne and Home. He told me years ago, he said, you make it to the Sapphire Throne, I'll take care of your home. Because I've got an expression that I'm looking for, and I want it to be a particular way. I want to translate God of the mountain to the God of the valley. And we are going to see in this house a demonstration of this, and it is forthcoming. And no matter what anybody says or how it's going to happen, the Lord will demonstrate his goodness to all of our families. You will see it with your own eyes. And I'm just here because I have to say it. And I want to, I want to publicly proclaim it. I want to say it out loud. Because when it happens next, they'll say, they said it from the pulpit and that thing happened and we all watched it with our own eyes as God demonstrated his goodness to us, his people. Yeah, you've been being tested. Yeah, you've been being scattered. Oh, okay, Daisy. There, you, you hand her that mic because we won't be able to hear her. Go ahead, okay. Yeah. A couple of years ago, downtown in Asheville, I was asked to be a part of a prayer that came forth. And when I stood up, I knew the Lord had given me a very familiar scripture, that Second Chronicles seven fourteen. But when I went to the microphone, what came out was, if my family called by my name, oh. instead of if my people called by my name. Oh. If my family called by my name would turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves, then I would heal your land, my family. Thank you, Dave. Let everything, Lord, that's come against our families and everything that's assaulted our homes and tried to hurt our marriages and hurt our extended families, Lord, we pray this morning you set this guard that you promised us around our homes. I pray that all our marriages and the marriages that, that would, be, would grow in closeness and vitality and, and love. And I pray, Lord, for those who are connected to us who are not married right now would feel so connected and so loved and a part of this family. We pray, Lord, bring forth your covenant, Lord. Let loyalty be the basis of our heart, first to you and then to others. Let this idea, this, this, this deep, overwhelming sense come over us. The love that comes from you, may it, we love one another. And Lord, help us to respect one another's differences, the differences that you made us to be and not try to make someone else in our own image or carve out another idea of who we are, but that each one of us, Lord, are special in your eyes and that you see us, Lord, and that you're seeing right through us right now as we're seeing each other, that you're in our faces 
And that no, no sickness can come against us. I pray for baby Eleanor right now and what she's going through her physical body. I ask you to just heal her, Lord, and bring a blessing around the Scroggs family, Lord, and just bless that family, Lord, with abundance. Bless Asher with abundance, Lord, and increase the favor that's on his household. Bless him, Lord, and bless him for his faithfulness and bless his wife for her faithfulness. Bless that family, Lord. Bless all our families, Lord, and raise up every family and cause things to be put back together, Lord, that can never be put back together. We pray, Lord, for that you would, the enemy, and now he's come against us, Lord, it would just be removed out of our homes. Like, I know you're fed up, Lord. You're jealous for this. You're angry about it, yes. And we wanna agree with you this morning that you're returning to us and we're returning to you. Heal our homes. Listen, like right now, I know it, maybe you've heard it, but divisions that have been so deep-rooted that have not been able to be healed can be healed right now. Like right now. Things that you have not got your finger on that you cannot seem to get adjusted by the grace of God and the mercy of the Lord and his steadfast love right now. You can be the recipient of this in your family. I've never been able to figure out why we keep butting heads on this one thing. I cannot seem to get my head around it or my heart around it and it keeps on hurting me. Lord, I pray for your healing right now, the healing of the heart, the strengthening of the human heart that I can restore. Oh, because I make all things new, says the Lord. Behold, I declare over you that all things are new. I declare over you my eyes see out from the way I look at others. I see merciful. I, I see mercy. I see steadfast love. I see the choice not to divide. I see the choice to come together. I see the choice that we can become one. I don't have to go more into my aloneness. I don't have to go and escape anymore. I don't have to go find my own safe place. I can be who I am in the midst of my family and all that can come out of me is love, is love. Instead of judgment, mercy triumphs. You hear me? Because we can make so many judgments about other people, but yes, mercy triumphs over judgment every time. And I don't have to look at uh, our children, our grandchildren, our parents, our grandparents with judgments. I declare over you that what will come out of your family is honor. And I declare over you that what will come out of your family is favor. Because that's what the Lord says. Because that's the kind of Lord he is. I'm a Lord who is filled with honor. I'm a Lord who is filled with favor. I'm a Lord who's filled with loving kindness. I'm a Lord who's filled with mercy. I don't need to frown at myself anymore or frown at anybody else. Because I have you. I have you. Do you understand? It's your disposition can be completely changed in him. And we can be just as close and tight-knit as like sweet love and sweet fellowship. Like I don't even have to explain myself anymore. I don't even have to make it happen. It's just you, Lord. It's just you doing it in my family. Yes, Lord.
Now, I'm getting this from the Lord right now, and he's saying, um, uh, he's saying to me, tell them not to give up with love because you've chosen love so many times, but you think it's just run out on me, and if I do it again, it's just not gonna work. And he's saying, don't give up on that. Just don't give up. Don't give up because you don't know what the next thing is. You, I've heard one preacher say, you're one step away from a breakthrough. You wanna make the next step, the step that seems like I tried so many times and it didn't work, and I don't know if I can give myself again. Do it again. Don't give up on love. Corinthians 13 says, love will never fail. It will never fail. If you go for love, no matter what it looks like, it's not going to fail you. It's not gonna fail. If you choose to love and you say, you know what, I'm gonna give myself again and they did me wrong, they hurt me again. I know I told one of my kids, I, I said to them, you just need to give up on this. And they told me, they said, I'm not gonna do it. And they broke their daddy into tears because they said, I'm not gonna stop loving. And I've been hurt numerous times, but I'm not gonna stop loving. And I said, oh, oh, don't do that to me because they were showing me and modeling for me that you could keep going. You could keep saying, I'm gonna do it again. I've been hurt so many times there, but I'm just going to breach that place again. I'm gonna give myself again. I'm gonna give of 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 myself again. I'm gonna lay till my life. And I'm gonna serve in the place where I'm misunderstood or misrepresented or hurt. I'm just gonna go it again. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. Because loving kindness is what he's put in me that's better than life. I'm going to just go at it again. And I'm going to say, yes, Lord. I'm not gonna back away from the cross. I'm just gonna go again. And I'm gonna trust you, Lord. Oh, oh. May the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, and may you have peace, amen. Bless you today. I must get ready 
now I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Oh I must get ready the night.